And I think what happened was when we were forced to all bring our content online in a very, very different way, because back then there were online events, they were mostly webinars, let's say, but people's understanding of what a webinar was and what its purpose was, was pretty basic. Like we, we weren't asking a lot of that and it was sort of bonus content. So even though the format wasn't great, we weren't asking more of it because we still had events to go to. And now we had an opportunity to really re-examine what was the purpose of this gathering. Honestly, do we even need to have this gathering? Should it be always the question that gets asked? You know your business can change people's lives, but you don't yet have the right words to inspire them to take action. Imagine the changes you will create in your business as you tap into the secrets of ethical influence and positive persuasion to not only better serve your clients, but also to supercharge your financial freedom. I'm your host, Jason Lynette, and welcome to the Hypnotic Language Hacks podcast. I help entrepreneurs and business owners just like you to close more premium sales. And no, this isn't about tricking or manipulating people, not at all. It's about helping your prospects to appropriately sell themselves into your products or services. Please hit subscribe and get all the episodes now at jasonlinette.com. Before we get started, please take a moment and think about the nature of your business, which is a very logical thing to ask you. This is a business podcast, but think about this for a moment. What if overnight, literally in the blink of an eye, everything changed? The nature of what was mostly driving your income suddenly became obsolete and you couldn't do what you were doing before. Suddenly, the sources of income, the events you had booked suddenly were stopped and canceled and the world was suddenly a very different place. Some of you are ahead of me as to where I'm going here because this is not a hypothetical. Because earlier in the year 2020, there were rumblings of stories in the news about other countries and health risks in other territories. And then suddenly, at least for us here in the United States, here was that morning in March where the kids were sent home from school early. And here in Virginia, they have yet to go back. And so many aspects of people's businesses dramatically had to change. And this is where my internal dialogue throughout an entire global pandemic was that the people who keep to try to do the same thing and try to play the game of ignoring it, those are the ones that unfortunately met with the demise of their business and things began to fall apart. The people who, as my amazing guest on the program says here today, who show up for their audience, listens to what their needs are and realize we've got to pivot. We've got to provide a better service for them because there's a specific need that they have and my task now is to help them solve it even faster. So in the midst of a global pandemic, here I was launching a brand new podcast. This is episode number 12 of Hypnotic Language Hacks, which all the references and show notes we're going to make here, head over to jasonlinette.com. One N, two Ts. Don't put any extra letters at the end. L-I-N-E-T-T. jasonlinette.com. Get a dove. Spelled that enough in my life. jasonlinette.com forward slash the number 12. That's where you can find all the references. Because I'll tell you, as I started to map out who I wanted to invite as guests on this new program, Robbie Samuels was at the top of my list. Here's the backstory. I was on Robbie's podcast, On the Schmooze with Robbie Samuels, talking about networking, talking about hypnotic communication, as I do. That episode was on his program back to episode number 132. We'll link in the show notes. 
And I thought of him because I was impressed by our conversation, so I went off and read his book, Bagels versus Croissants. Forgive me if I'm butchering the title, but that's the idea of it. It's a whole metaphor. It's a metaphor about effective networking. And I didn't just read it because I wanted to be friendly and I was on his podcast. No, I read it because I went, the abilities we have to create dynamic relationships with other people, that's part of what I do. And if I can, as Robbie says, get 5% better each and every time I do something, that's going to be a benefit to me. That's going to be a benefit to others as well. So as I started to plan this project out, here's the stalker moment, sorry, I started to make sure I was following him on Facebook following him on LinkedIn just to go, what's he going to do? Where's this going to go? And man, did he deliver. And actually in the private Facebook group that I run, it's actually a public community that's private on Facebook, the Business Influence and Persuasion Group, linked in the show notes. Please join us. We have fun there. I, I asked the group, I've got someone coming on who is an expert at online events. Do you want to Zoom better? What are your needs? Uh, one of the more popular questions is where do I look? Robbie's going to tell you in today's episode. But more importantly, how do we facilitate interaction? How can we actually provide a better quality experience online? So how do we stop asking the question of what can't we do? And instead, Robbie, Robbie delivers the content here in terms of what you can do even better and strategies I know you're going to put to use. So here's more on Robbie. Robbie Samuels is a keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, and relationship-based business strategy coach who's been recognized as a networking expert by Forbes and Incorporated, and as an industry expert in the field of digital event design by JDC Events. You're going to hear all about that in this conversation. As a virtual event design consultant and executive Zoom producer, I love that because those are titles that didn't exist five years ago. But now that you heard virtual design event consultant and executive Zoom producer, many of you are now realizing, oh, I need that because... You do. <laughs> As that executive Zoom producer, he assists organizations with bringing their in-person events strategically online. In fact, he runs a four-week program. We're going to link to that in the show notes. Uh, four-week program for presenters to become certified virtual event professionals. There is an absolute need for that. He hosts, and you ought to subscribe to the On The Schmooze podcast, and he also hosts a weekly hashtag no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour. Uh, I had high hopes for having Robbie on the program. He over-delivered, so you are in for a treat. Here we go, episode number 12 with Robbie Samuels. Before we get started today, if you want to easily grab people's attention, naturally build authority, and organically have your prospects wanting more from you, even before you've made an offer, I've created a step-by-step -step program to help you to do just that. It's called Business Influence Systems. And this is your opportunity now to visit jasonlinette.com to get a free behind the scenes tour of the exact hypnotic persuasion strategies that you can ethically use to better start up or scale up your business. If you want a proven framework to boost your confidence, attract premium clients, and inspire more people to take action with you, get Business Influence Systems now at jasonlinette.com. All right, so we're here with Robbie Samuels, and I got to know Robbie last year when I was on his podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on The Schmooze, and it was a cool moment where I looked him up, and I read his book and found it really to be impressive, and part of the reason why I wanted to have Robbie on this week is the fact that the themes of his book I really liked, 
But then suddenly when the world became a very different place in 2020, immediately the thought was there to go, I got to get an update. So Robbie, good to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we did a quick intro in the uh, bio in the intro, but could you introduce yourself to the audience in terms of who you are and what do you do? Well, I'm a virtual event design consultant and an executive Zoom producer, and none of that was true prior to March 2020. I was about to say um, those are titles that probably didn't exist 10 years no. ago. No. <laughs> so prior to that, I was best known as a, as a networking expert. Uh, I'd written a book and uh, hosted, hosted a podcast on the topic, did a TEDx. So that was the world I was coming from. And now it's all about the same message. Events are about content and connection but the medium has changed. We're no longer talking about in-person events. We're talking about online experiences. And so now I help my clients out in a variety of ways in that format. Yeah. So let's rewind back into the before times. Sure. Because clearly talking about pastries and talking about bread products is the obvious thing we should be discussing when we're talking about networking. Um, <laughs> there's a setup. Could, could you introduce those concepts that you taught? The title of the book is called Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and inclusive networking at conferences. And uh, the, the title is referring to um, this concept that I had spoken about for over a decade in you know, my talks that I had done all around. And uh, you know, if you go to an event, a networking event, picture a moment back when you used to actually go to events. It's like, it's bewildering that that's not true these days. But we used to walk in a room and we'd see people in these tight little clusters. Those are the bagels, those shoulder to shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into. But if one person in that space shifts their body language and makes space for others to join, that's the croissant. So it was both a literal act that people can do, but it was also a metaphor for how we should be in these spaces. We should be open to new connections. You know, there was a study by the International Association of Exhibitions and Events that said that 76% of the people surveyed said that networking was a top driver for why they chose to attend an event. And we would probably agree with that. Like, yeah, okay, so three quarters of the people are going to events with the intention to network. That sounds right, except that in reality, we know that it's not like 75% of the people at the event are actually you know, following through on those intentions. And so the work that I was doing pre-pandemic was helping organizations design more engaging events and in particular helping participants make the most of those opportunities, which is why I wrote the book, and then in last year in 2019, I did a TEDx on the topic and why I've been hosting this podcast for four plus years. So it was like, if you, if you go out of your house, if you, make, if you make the effort, you know, to get on a plane, I feel like I want to say a moment of silence for that too. Yes. Okay. Back when we could go on planes and, uh, you know, the, it wasn't just about the content. It was also about the, the amazing possibilities of the connection. And in this new reality, we still not that we need that to still be true. But as you might imagine, March 9th. And March 11th, I started seeing uh, my new reality and uh, things were shifting rapidly. Yeah, you came to mind as somebody who I was thinking, this is someone who clearly, yes, you had a digital audience with the podcast. Yes, you already had a following with what you do. Yet the messaging clearly had to change, though. I can go back to last year and I think it was January or February timeframe when I was on your program when I, when I read your book too. And that was a year that I went to several business conferences, several other events inside of my communities too. And the takeaway was this fact that so much of our language in terms of networking is about what's your elevator speech? How do you become memorable? And that reality is we would talk about active listening. You've got two ears and one mouth. 
sometimes it should be proportionate, but mm -hmm. that reality that it was also the responsibility of the pro networker <laughs> to welcome in the sort of amateur networker because you don't know the connections that can be had. You don't know if that's the person who's got the next big possible opportunity that either they can make use of you or you can make use of them. So I would notice here were those bagels, <laughs> the clusters that nobody could break into. And here was that demeanor where there was an openness to this, which brings us around to today, where now most everything has moved, well, everything has moved online. So are, are there traces of that that now carry over? Well, I think the, uh, the piece around intentionality <clears throat> really um, carries over. Um, back when we did events and we didn't have to uh, clarify that they were in person when they, we just said the word events and we all knew what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, when we had to convince people events. that it's going to be online and that's also viable. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the events piece um, was always supposed to be built around like a clear objective or a clear purpose. But we also know that often annual events, you stop having that clarity and it becomes of what we've always done with maybe a minor tweak. And I think what happened was when we were forced to all, you know, bring our, our content online in a very, very different way. Because back then there was an online, uh, there were online events. They were mostly webinars, let's say. But people's understanding of what a webinar was and what its purpose was, was pretty basic. Like we, we weren't asking a lot of that and it was sort of bonus content. And so even though the format wasn't great, we weren't asking more of it because we still had events to go to. And now we had an opportunity to really re-examine you know, what was the purpose of this gathering. Honestly, do we even need to have this gathering? Should it be always the question that gets asked? And then nice. given the purpose, given the objectives, the, the primary, the secondary, the tertiary objectives for this, what digital tools and what even analog tools. So I know we're, we're both on video and audio, so I'm holding up some, some cards that have hearts <laughs> and you know, thumbs up and smiley faces. Oh, and so, so there are analog ways that we can bring uh, the, an event from like a webinar feeling to a truly online experience. And the, um, I think there was a missed opportunity for a lot of folks because they panicked and they brought their content online and they tried to replicate what they did in person. And replication doesn't really work in a lot of instances. And online shouldn't carry over the restrictions that were in place in person. So in person, we met for three days in a row in one location with 22 concurrent sessions. That was a constraint of in person. And when we move online, we should not be constrained to three days 22 concurrent sessions. We should reimagine all of that. So I think there were people who were trying to just literally pick up what they did and just throw it on Zoom. And I, I'm like coming at it very differently. So my background is I, I organized events. So I spent 15 years organizing events in the nonprofit. 10 of those years, I ran 25 events a year for a nonprofit. I was raising a million dollars a year for them. And in addition, I was running 24 events a year for a a meetup group that I founded that ran for 11 years. And then there was a couple of conferences each year that I ran for fun and my wedding, only one. And no golf outings. I, that's in my life contract to no, no golf outings. <laughs> so, so I had a really strong understanding of, of events and logistics. I understood events from participant experience because I had been thinking about that for a long time as a person teaching networking for them. And I like tech enough to get into the weeds. And I like teaching tech 
I actually ran, my wife and I, before we even started dating, we're running a productivity tech tips seminar uh, in person twice a year. We did that several years in a row. And, you know, it was a mixture of like, you know, Google tools and other sort of apps and stuff that people could use to kind of be more productive in their business and their life. So I like that kind of stuff. So in some ways, looking back, this seems like the perfect kind of confluence of, of, of identity, experience, and interest that landed me here in this moment. And it's rare because I both like the background behind the scenes stuff of pushing the buttons and understanding how the technology works. And I'm an MC and I'm a professional speaker. And I'm really fine with, you know, with, with improv. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just a really rare combination that I found a home and it's been an incredible, incredible year. It's been, it's been a, a lot of work, but it's been an incredible year. Well, I love that mindset of being the producer, the person, the wizard behind the curtain, as well as the actual wizard at the same time. And I want to go back to what you had mentioned that in terms of goals, this is a program called Hypnotic Language Hacks, how very often it's the specificity of our words. When we change our messaging, we create better impact, we become more memorable. So you mentioned about the importance of defining the purpose of the event. Is there a story that comes to mind of an event where the purpose wasn't quite defined and then what happened by then defining that? Well, I'll give you an example. It's, it's sometimes it happens at a more granular level. Um, I was working with someone who at their in-person events, there was a moment in the script where from the stage, um, they would ask a series of questions that would get audience members to stand up. And then, you know, he'd go to the next question, he'd get them to stand up. And so we were about to move this online, but that wouldn't work. I mean, you, you could try it, but A, people aren't ready to stand up. They're not necessarily dressed from the waist down the way that they want to be showing off. Hopefully I am for the record right now, but go on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and also, would it lead to the same feeling and the same outcome that you're hoping for? Like, what was the purpose of that activity or that exercise in person? Mm-hmm. It wasn't to make them stand. Right. So we get lost sometimes with the implementation as it was, as opposed to how it could be. So it was to help people see that they weren't alone. So one of the questions was, who here took more than uh, one plane to get here? And so people would stand up and they would find each other. Like it was sort of a moment of like, oh, we are an international crowd. Like we are a global community. Oh, look, I'm not the only one who took a long time to get here. And so that's like an example of a great question that elicits a, oh, I'm not the only one. I look around. So it's not that you want people to stand up and look at their screen and look at everyone else's navel. That's not the same feeling. Now, that same organization sent out a, a welcome box. And the welcome box was actually an envelope that had pre-wrapped things inside that said, don't open until. It was very, very cleverly done. But the, the envelope itself was blue. So what we did was people would pick up their little blue envelope and they were told to pick it up and then peek over it. And so when they asked the question, they all picked up their little blue envelope and peeked over it and they could see all the other blue envelopes that went up on the screen. Nice. So that's an example of you know, not replicating exactly what happened, but remembering what was the purpose of that exercise. And then now given all the, this is why I always say digital and analog tools what can we do to replicate that, uh, that feeling, but, but doing it by reimagining the actual steps of doing it? And so I think that's, that's me as an example of not rushing forward with the exact same script, but 
kind of going through piece by piece. Another example is that built in to Zoom is like a yes, no option. Mm -hmm. And I've had people submit questions to me for a poll because I'm always encouraging speakers like, go ahead, use a poll, use a poll. And they submit a question and I'm like, the only way to answer this question is yes or no. They're like, uh-huh, that's the poll. I'm like, so that's not a poll. A poll will have three or more options, uh, maybe two, but they're not yes, no. And there's a yes, no option that I've enabled as the, it's the nonverbal feedback. It's the bottom of the, of the participant thing. And so I walk them through that and they're like, oh, I can think of three other ways to use that now. And I'm like, right. So instead of just saying to people in chat, write yes, in chat, write yes, which is like a common webinar tactic. Yeah. What if instead people could go and they mark yes and you can say, wow, looks like two thirds of the audience, like by glance, I can see two thirds you feel X, Y, Z. And then we're not taking, it's not a poll, but it is still, uh, it's, a, it's a point of engagement. So um, that's the goal. I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, the goal is engagement. 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by ineffectual Q&A and no one moderating chat was probably never a good format. And now <laughs> when we're craving connection, we really got to steer away from that and aim for opportunities for people to talk to the speaker and talk to each other. And I still talk to some companies who they want to hear my advice, but then they're like, well, we're planning on just doing this webinar using a webinar platform and you know, no one can speak and people, we're actually going to turn off chat and, and have submitted questions in advance. I'm like, why not just play a recording? Yeah. Like, why are people having to show up at that time? Like, if, on, honestly, you could pre-record that entire thing and have it an on-demand content. But if they're going to show up at one moment, then it's a missed opportunity. See, that's a legacy organization not really able to be nimble enough to think about how to do it today. Well, and for, for years, I've always said that, you know, I've had people, there was a time I was at a conference and I was presenting a workshop on Facebook marketing and everywhere from the hallways to the restaurant, even in the men's restroom, people were coming up and going, why are you presenting on that? That doesn't work. And they're going, Sunday at three is when I'm giving the presentation. And it's where it really drilled in home that it's very rarely the platform. It's almost always the strategy. So we get caught up in the thing. We get caught up in the tech of going, well, how do I make this work? And the answer is, especially in this year where we've had to become much more flexible, well, we, how do we do that differently? Mm -hmm. I thought of you when I was at, um, back in uh, April, used to be active in a BNI, Business Networking International Group. And suddenly here's one of the local chapters that announced, oh, we're just going to move the meeting online. And other groups were the ones, which this is kind of where we were back in April going, okay, let's just take a month or two off and come back in July. Yeah, about that. And the amazing result was that I can remember back to being a member of that group. I was there as a guest. I wasn't a member anymore at this point, but I can remember being there as a as a member. And there's the person who's, you know, off on their phone catching up on something. Here's the person who's very clearly not really at the meeting, even though physically they're in the same space. I saw an amazing benefit kick in when suddenly everyone was framed on camera with the camera on and they were on the entire time. Yeah. So there's, what I'm getting at is, have you seen any specific advantages that we can now do that it's not the game of what can't we do online, but instead what can we do even better? I'm so glad you asked that because I do think we're often framing this in the what's missing. 
And I think there's a whole host of new possibility. And also I'm now working with a BNI chapter in Massachusetts running a monthly social for them. So they've nice. got, they figured out how to do their monthly online event, but they wanted to still have a way for, for the members to just have socials. So I'm running a, a series of breakout rooms with some fun questions and just kind of emceeing this like, you know, hour long program to get people to get to know each other beyond the, the business pitch. Cause they, they know the business pitch. That's what BNI right. is, but they know the people a little bit better because before a meeting, there was a little more rubbing of shoulders, right. And, and shaking of hands and hugs and all that. And so that's, there's not as much of that um, unless people are super thoughtful about how they're designing their meetings. There's not as much of that. So they wanted to have an entirely separate event. So that, so that in some ways that's the, a new possibility is that you can have events that are purely social. If you feel like that is a benefit to your organization, but I'll give you another one um, in person people tend to, um, you know, we have their intention about who they want, you know, I'm here to meet people. And then in reality, they, they go and they hang out with people they already know, or they hang off to the side, or they go back to the room. <laughs> and so a good number of people don't get to actualize that. And so they rarely meet new people for anything more than a cursory, like standing next to each other for a buffet line, maybe. But in this new space, if you go to an event that attracts the kind of people you want to meet, and they use breakout rooms and they ask a thoughtful question and they give you the right amount of time with the right number of people, which is a lot of ifs, I will say, um, because I've now, someone asked me about best practices for breakout rooms and I realized I have like six and they're all details, like six with, with specific sub subsets underneath each one. Like I have a lot of thoughts about that. But when it's done thoughtfully, you're now in a room with other people that you probably wouldn't meet. I, I run employee engagement programs for this nonprofit health organization in New York, they've got 35,000 um, members and, I'm oh, sorry, 13,000 uh, staff members. They're 13,000 staff members and 3,500 of them are gonna go through this virtual cafe um, over a few month period. And so we're holding these events and people are coming to them and we're doing two breakout rooms plus an update from you know the CEO and the VPs and all that. And what's great is in person, all the people of the same title would hang out together. And of course there was supposed to be mingling, but like people flock, right? Here, they, they make it the really was of, Please sit next to people, people you don't know and they still gather in clusters. Yeah, so this is, this is a, a way of interrupting that without having to be heavy handed about it because it just is. You're, you're thrown into a diverse mixed group of people with a topic and the question that we'd start each one with, and I've used this a lot for my, for my other clients as well, is share a story about your name. It could be about your first name, your last name, your nickname. Does it have a meaning? Were you named after someone? Like, and then I share a, my own story to get people to think about theirs, right? Because like stories beget stories. So when I tell my story, then you think of your own answer. And then I, then I give them a little like, right? You know, as we go into breakout rooms, you're gonna have this many minutes. The person who goes first has their birthday closest to today going forward. Oh, thank you. you know, if your birthday was yesterday, <laughs> your gift is that you don't get to go first. Um, so Otherwise it's today, five minutes later and they're going, do you wanna go first or should yeah. I? So that's what I mean by best practices. Like, you know, how do you have the right frame of a question, the right number of people, the right number of minutes, who goes first, um, the timekeeping aspect of it, and then have them come back and debrief by having people nominate. And this is something else you wouldn't do in person. Hey, nominate someone who had a really good story in your group, mm -hmm. and let's see if we can get them to, uh, to unmute and share. And so having a debrief where 
you know, three or four people share. It always adds such levity to the, to the conversation. It's always a funny story. People are going, but now that you know that about me, you can't use that name, okay? You know, like that, that's like, well, I was called this as a kid, but you're not allowed to say that. Um, but a lot of levity, and it's often people who are senior who, get, who often get to say, but also people get nominated who no one's heard of, no heard from. So it adds a, some diversity in that respect. Um, it's just, I don't know. So sort of, these are sort of creative things. I guess another example is that in person, it would be all time suck to have people get into groups of three, discuss, debrief, and then get into a second group of three. Because mm-hmm. inevitably, the people who are not in a group of three are like nowhere near each other in the room. When you're right, yeah, on Zoom, you hit a button and suddenly and, they're in a different room. Yeah, you recreate. Yeah. And it's this. so I think once we get comfortable with the technology, the technology actually supports us doing our work and it fades. The problem is that when people aren't comfortable with the technology, the technology is a hindrance, it's a barrier. Mm-hmm. And so I I have this idea of us, you know, every time you host or speak online, you get 5% better. And if that is the the way we sort of get into this, if that's our goal, like just keep aiming to be 5% better. And that will that will definitely help in the long run. Which, I mean, everything is cumulative. The more you do something, the better you get at it. And to look at this is a skill. This is something that you, you look at, you know, sort of experiences where here's the kid, here's the parent, there's the grandparent. The, the very first client that booked with me as all of this began, she fills out the form. And all I did was I'd been seeing people in person as well as online. And I just simply added in for the phone consult, oh, let's just warm up the Zoom aspect that in my schedule application, how would you like to connect for the call? Phone call or Zoom. So I was offering Zoom for the consult for the first time when that was already an option of online or in person. The first person who filled out that form wrote on there that I'm looking to, for hypnotherapy, I'm looking to quit smoking on my 84th birthday. And of course, my first thought was, again, back in March, I'm going to have to tell this person July, Um, which as soon as we got on the call, and this is the point to never assume, she goes, oh, I hope you use Zoom. I use that to talk to my grandkids because I can save the videos. I can't do that with FaceTime. I'm like, she had a better tech setup than I did. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard you mention the theme of the difference between, and I love this type of thing. I talk about strategy versus platform, talking about the difference between show and tell. Can you elaborate on the difference between being cinematic and theatrical? Mm. This concept came from an article in in Fast Company by the Global Events uh, manager for Microsoft, and he talked about how in-person events are, you know, big and theatrical, and you can kind of imagine someone striding across the stage and striding back across the stage and all those things, uh, and that won't work in this this format. But instead, uh, what we're doing is cinematic, and I've heard a lot of professional speakers that are friends of mine um, repeat that. You know, we're we're competing with television right now. Like that's if you're if you're getting to that level of production value, it's it's about televisions. So um, the other piece of this that I I got was I got interviewed by a neuroscientist for a book that she was writing, and um, we started talking about how every seven minutes we need a state change in order to like keep focused. And so when we're designing our online um, conversations, like even right now, we've been like talking for quite a while. So. It's subtle, but I am trying to make sure my hand goes above the fold, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not moving a lot because I have a microphone. So it's just like change of pitch. So when I'm doing an event, though, I'll design in, you know, a poll or a chat 
answering a chat question or I call people's names a lot. Even by the way, I've done that when I'm doing a webinar and I can't see people, but I have their list of participants in the audience and I'll be like, oh, looks like Bob's called in and Mary's here and Jane's here. And like, and you know, it's funny how it's like people listening in are like, oh wait, are they gonna say my name? <laughs> so I've, I've just gotten, if people give me a slight chuckle or like maybe they just smile a little bit, one of my bad dad jokes, I'll like say, oh, Mary totally gets it. And then Mary smiles bigger. And in four minutes, Mary's going to guffaw at my next joke. Like, and now I've got so much more energy in the room, which by the way, feeds me. So mm -hmm. I just did a plea in one of my, I've been sending out uh, three times a week, um, a video message, a short video message about Zoom. And I wrote one asking participants to turn on their camera <laughs> because if you all turn off your camera, then I have no one to engage with and you want me to be an engaged speaker. So how can I be an engaged speaker? I have no one to engage with. So I think we all have a part to play in co-producing the experience. Um, but yeah, I think like designing, I, so now the strategy is to really design those seven minute or so sort of like state shifts, really. Music can play a role in that. I use music also as social etiquette to kind of teach people some social cues, um, polls, the improv piece is so big for me in how I sort of play. I have a structure, but I also, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that life is life. This is live. This is live TV, folks. <laughs> you just don't know what's going to happen, particularly if you bring in pets or animals. But um, pets or animals? Pets or children? I'm with you. That makes more sense. <laughs> Case in point. Sometimes. My, chil my children are not animals. Well, yeah. Okay. What so I love about that is... That, that made me flash to something that I had a revelation of uh, earlier this year that I had a new designer create some new logos for me and they took JL, Jason Lynette, and they created it like a maze and it's all one line. And as soon as I saw it, I thought of, I was at the Traffic and Conversion Summit in 2014 in San Diego. And I forget the speaker, but I remember the moment. She walked out and there was the name just giant behind her. And that was the image in my head when I saw this, this maze logo that we now use, which then you're the little box in the corner when you're sharing your screen. So exactly what you just said. Um, I like your version of it. When I tell that story, I talk about Willie Nelson, <laughs> like you do. When my, my mother's been a lifelong fan of his. We're at his concert, and I was there for her, but the man puts on a show. Three hours, the band takes two breaks, he never left the stage. And suddenly on the road again, they're all on their feet, everybody's in it. But then suddenly it turns into a comedy act because he does To All the Girls I Loved Before, but then he's doing Julio Iglesias' voice and everyone's laughing. Then everyone turns into children because he follows up with Rainbow Connection from the Muppet movie. And this is always that lesson in my head about how he painted with texture how it wasn't every song sounded the exactly same. Because I won't say what the band was, but their name rhymes with The Offspring. Um, and later that month, I was at one of their concerts and I liked some of the music, but every song sounded the same to the point I went to the bathroom at one point and came back and I'm thinking, is this, this is a really long song. So it's that ability to, no offense to them, uh, it's that ability to paint with texture and to think about that Again, when we're now talking to a tiny lens across the room and we're broadcasting around the world. So what are some of those other ingredients? What are some of the other skills that we can use? Let's say we've talked about the engagement of everyone who's there, but when we're as the speaker, what is it that we can begin to do differently in addition to 
changing up that delivery, changing up that mode. I want to tell you one particular thing, and then I have a, a little story to share. The one particular thing is to look at the camera. And, you know, <laughs> this is a video uh, as well as an audio show. Yeah. And if I were looking down at you or me the whole time, this would be a lot less engaging. Make me looking down does not work. And I've seen people take selfie videos that they post on social. Oh, where they're super excited to share some news. And the whole time they're looking at their own face and they're not looking at the camera. And there's just a huge disconnect. So that's like a really big piece. But that's an example of just like being really under, under, understanding and being clear of the, um, the techniques. A Which lot right of people. There, I, think I, I hinted at this before. Uh, in my private, uh, or it's a public group, the Business Influence and Persuasion Group on Facebook, I did a poll with them hinting that you were going to be on this program. Yes. And the most common question was, where do I look? I did a webinar with a friend of mine to help him promote a training years ago. And I wish I saved the chat log because we're there, we're two-headed like you and I are on the replay of this on YouTube and the audio goes everywhere as a podcast. I wish I'd saved the chat log because he's an amazing presenter. He's been on stages all around the world and I am trying him on Facebook. I'm trying his phone. I am emailing him. He's just speaking and the whole time I'm going, please look at the camera. You look insane. Please look at the camera. <laughs> the it's true. Yeah. That is such a big, big thing. Um, in fact, even when I do one-on-one -on -one calls with colleagues or clients, I I help correct that. In fact, when you and I got on, you said, well, you're actually over here, but I know where my camera is. And I said, is there any way to, you, to put that together? Mm -hmm. You know, and you're using an external camera. So there was like, you can't, but you knew what you were supposed to look. You're so here. I'm amazed when people over, don't yeah. do that and they end up looking to their side the whole time. It, so that's just being aware of that. But on a, you know, I was about to say, honestly, everything's honestly. If I gave you an award-winning French cookbook and I said, you'll make the most amazing, amazing French cuisine if you just follow the steps in this book and you got super excited because this is something you've always wanted to do and you go and you buy all kinds of fancy new pots and pans, a new set of, a new set of knives and you get the book and you open the book and you go, I, I don't have any of these ingredients. Wait, I, I don't know if I'm actually that comfortable with sharp knives and I don't always measure things correctly. So your enthusiasm is far outweighed by your feeling of competence. <laughs> and so now your enthusiasm starts to wane. And in this context, the settings of whatever tool you're using, so I'm most familiar with Zoom meetings, but your settings are your ingredients. Mm -hmm. So I have a document that is not, not even an email opt-in. It's just a document I give away for free, um, meaning don't have to give me anything in return. It's at robbysamuels.com forward slash Zoom settings because I want you to know all the settings you need to enable or disable because if you don't have that set up, you can't do breakout rooms. In fact, I didn't know until March 20th that I had breakout rooms. Well, yeah. sometime that week, I figured it out. March 20th is the first time I remember doing them. So I've been using Zoom for four years, but I'd never known that I had access to this really great tool. And a lot of us discovered in the early months that that was true. And there might still be people today who didn't enable that, have, don't know they have a whiteboard, never set up a poll, like don't know how to put a, make a co-host because they don't have an enabled co-host, have an enabled nonverbal feedback so they don't have the yes, no feature, et cetera, et cetera. And so that's the first thing you've got to do. You've got to get the ingredients. And then online facilitation is a technique. Mm -hmm. In person, 
there are certain things that are sort of assumed. So for instance, if we were doing introductions at an in-person setting and we had 20 people in the room, we were gonna go around and say hello to each other, it would be pretty obvious who the next person to go would be. We'd either be all in lines, like in rows, or we'd be in a circle, and it was just no question. Here, I have to tell you who goes next, and what most people do, facilitators will say, or like the person organizing the meeting, all right, I'm gonna go in the order that I see on my screen, Bob. Bob has no idea he's in the top left corner of your screen, and who's next to him? They have no idea either. Different and on so everyone's screen. Every yeah. person is caught off guard and every person has to like find their mute button and every person can't remember like what were the prompts because they weren't paying attention. And so I have a whole method of teaching, which I call on deck. So you would, even if you did that order, you'd be like Bob and then Mary, Mary and then Joe. But even better is to use the order that's in the participant window because if everyone's muted, they go alphabetical. Oh, nice. Or you can have a piece of paper that has people's names. But as long as you say who's on deck each time, They'll tune in, they'll hear their name. And that's, that's an example of getting really comfortable about a slightly different format. And then the measuring piece is understanding how to use the poll and how to use the yes, no feature and how to use, how to, how to debrief a, a breakout room using chat and raised hands, the raised hand feature in the bottom participant window. If you have all those things, if you have the ingredients and you got the right pots and pans and you got the sharp knives, you're gonna make some really good food if you follow the directions. And at some point, you won't need the book anymore. You'll have personalized the recipe. And that's when it becomes a family recipe that you get to kind of like just pull out and start doing and teaching and sharing with others. That's when the technology, the medium fades and it mm -hmm. goes back to being all about your message. So I've gotten to that point because I've, again, 5% better every single time. And that's where we all need to get because the mistakes that we made were many in March and April and June, that time frame, we can't keep doing. I went to something in March and April, two different times, where breakout rooms were not enabled. And that was one of the things we were supposed to do. And one of them was a training for how to use Zoom, mm -hmm. but they were using another organization's Zoom link and they hadn't sent this checklist. And that's when I came up with the checklist because in person, you and I would have an AV list, right? There'd be like, here's, here's what I need you to do for all, all my AV requirements and you would double check that it was done. I mean, we were not like brown M&Ms people like Van Halen, but you know, we've got our standards. <laughs> there was actually a story behind that in terms of making sure the rest of the set list was set. Exactly. Still, that's what I mean by like, insane. <laughs> but that's what I mean by like, we're not maybe at that level of detail. Yeah. But we had like this, this you know, here's our, our, our needs. And I think that as professional speakers, we need to get to that standard again. Because, you know, if you were to walk into a Marriott and tell an audience, I was going to have slides, but I forgot to ask for a projector in time. Nope. Like that would, no one would think you're a professional, but why would we be okay to be like, I was going to do breakout rooms, but I forgot to ask to get them enabled. Like, no, that's like, that was fine in March. That happens. Let's learn from it. Let's learn from it. In fact, one of the people who made that mistake actually said as we were leaving, what I learned from last time is you got to wait 10 seconds before coming back in. And all I heard was you didn't learn from last time because it happened yeah. again. So... <laughs> I love that for two reasons. One, that you kept with the kitchen metaphors. So good job on that. <laughs> but then second of all, the fact that having that as a checklist, which uh, we always make the show notes easy. This is episode number 12, jasonlinette.com forward slash 12. We'll link to anything you reference here over there Great. too. It's like, think of it as like an AV writer, but for yeah. online. No, but I love that because especially it, it's not something you do once because the really good thing about Zoom 
is they're constantly improving the platform. The really bad thing about Zoom is they're constantly improving the platform. And I was doing an event a few weeks ago and suddenly because the software had updated, suddenly my old settings didn't transfer. And luckily it was an event where I just hopped in and I transferred the reins to someone else. Oh, cool. You're going to be the host for uh, 10 seconds. And this is a hack if in case you need it. I left the event, changed the settings, came back because it was mine, reclaimed the host title, and then suddenly we had it. So, so it's interesting because sometimes that will work. And for sometimes. some things like breakout rooms, you actually have to close the meeting and restart the meeting. Yeah. Which is like some things you can do and some things you have to actually kick everyone out and bring them back in. Which is um, the perfect example of, again, the best problems in life for the ones that we either created ourselves or the ones we didn't know existed, you know, <laughs> until years ago that suddenly now here's what we've got to get good at. And I think the long-term effects as there's uh, as there's a solution, as people are then healthier and this is less of a concern, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on proving there's got to be a long-term viability that's going to remain, that we've now proven this is a viable platform and this is an option. I always go back to the, 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 the turning point was I was at a convention in Las Vegas in the end of February, where at that point, this was kind of in the news. And there was a real estate meeting next door. And I was in the hallway at a vendor table talking to a friend. And the same guy kept coming out, checking his phone, going back in. And the best networking begins with a something that opens up a conversation. I forget the comedian who goes, people get into an elevator and say, hey, it looks like it's going to rain today. When if instead you got in the elevator and went, I haven't talked to my brother in 12 years. Now we've got something to talk about. I think it was Mark Maron. Um, but I looked at this guy and rather than going, how's it going? I said, another meeting that could have been an email, right? He goes, yeah. And he was in my head as everything shut down. We had to cancel conferences and then move the other ones online. Because I'm sure whatever that annual meeting was could have been an interactive webinar. What do you think the long-term effects we're going to see are going to be? Prior to the pandemic, an online access ticket was a camera on a tripod in the back of the room pointed at the main stage for $99. Thank you. Just because the camera's on doesn't mean you have a product. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and people were like, awesome. Thank you. You know, I, I think that we will have to up level quite a bit because, you know, I keep talking about 5% better and we'll tell you just now that I have a four week program where I certify people uh, in, uh, to become a virtual event design professional and uh, it's called the 5% Advantage Program. So I'm, I'm really down on this continuous improvement and the organizations that don't keep doing online events are gonna be really, really stuck when it's time to do hybrid because mm -hmm. that's the next phase. The next phase is that there will be a mixture of a th maybe a third of the people in person, maybe a third, and then two thirds online. But in the past, we've never done that in a way that's preference the online people. Think about a conference room where you're all sitting around a conference call and there's three people on the phone call and there's nine in the room. Those three people on the phone call get forgotten about. No one forgets yeah, to even ask them for their updates. Their second what classes. if it were nine people on the phone and three in the room? You know, like it would, you'd start with, all right, let's go through who's in the call. And then you would end with who was in person. And that's the shift that we have to make. And there needs to be 
two MCs or two people sort of moderating. Hmm. Um, and I did do my first hybrid event. It was a small event. It was for a youth organization that was having a discussion and they had uh, 10 people in the room and 30 online. And so I managed the 30 online. There was a facilitator in the room. She posed questions. So when she was talking, she was one of the squares and people behind her were sitting down, spaced out with masks. And then we did our breakout rooms and they got into two small groups to have their discussion. And then we came back and we, I said, when I looked at her script, I said, the online group will always go first to give feedback. Nice. And then we'll go to the people in the room. And so that, that's a sort of example of even for a small group. And I will tell you, there was a 90-minute meeting that took 90 minutes to plan. And that was an easy, that was a very easy meeting. But, you know, I had to talk her through, like, get, you gave me a script that has nothing to do with the online experience. Mm-hmm. Let's rewrite this and script this in a different way. But it's, again, what is the objective? The objective is that people feel engaged and, and have the ability to connect I think it's not going away because there are companies that have literally said remote only from now on. From now on. And if that's true, there are industries related to those organizations that are going to have to be creating online options for everything they do from now on. So I think that the expectation will be that there'll be a high standard in-person event and a high standard online event happening at the same time, which is two events, which is very complicated. And the people who haven't worked out the, the little kinks about being online now are going to be very behind when we get to that point. And I don't know. I was asked a couple of months ago to think about a three-year horizon because I, because when the pandemic hit, I started thinking like 18 months, two years. Like I couldn't look past that. It was a very interesting exercise thinking about like what's life like three years from now. And I do think we're going to have in-person events three years from now. Mm-hmm. I just don't think we're going to get back to, you know, several thousand people gathering all the time because that's the only way to meet. I think it'll be very few, very select, um, very purposeful, and that we'll have way more content, high quality, engaging content happening online. So it's not going away. Yeah, which uh, I'd love for you to send me a link to the uh, course and we'll stick that over in the show notes so people can check that out. That sounds outstanding. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny. Like it's part of my story actually because, so just just hear this for a second, Jason. March 13th is the first time I ever did a virtual happy hour. March 20th is the first time I opened up breakout rooms on my own in that weekly event. April 14th, I set up a registration page on Zoom, which I had never prior to that moment knew existed and started collecting email addresses. I'm now closing in on a thousand email addresses that have come in through that system. Um, I then have 50 to 60 people coming every week. And May, I launch a pilot program, to teach, a four-week program to teach people Zoom and online facilitation and virtual event design, which was a term that I just sort of made up to explain what I was doing. Because it's not just about Zoom, right? It's about the experience with regards to the platform, even though Zoom's kind of like Kleenex and Xerox at this point. And that four-week program had 14 people in the pilot and 40 people ran through the program over the next four months. It turned into a certification program. I've now been certifying. I have five people certified and another 10 that are in the process of submitting their videos. The four-week program as by itself is not how you earn it. You actually then have to submit a separate video. There's requirements and criteria because I got a couple of badges, virtual badges, that I thought I hadn't worked that hard for. And I thought that these people were working so hard to learn these skills that I want them to be able to stand out. And the ones who've already earned their thing, earned their certification, um, half have been uh, producers, like uh, meeting planners, and half have been speakers. And they've all gotten gigs immediately 
mm. because like it helps them stand out. And then now I have one of my offerings is that if I can't do your event, if I can't do the strategy and the Zoom and everything, I'll do the Got strategy people. and then I will hire them and they I'll subcontract to these people who I've certified. And so I said a client who last minute needed help and three of my people did 22 hours of training to do the, do the production for her and I did the strategy part. And so this is, this is the future of my business is that I don't have to be everywhere, that I can scale this and help a lot more people by giving them a very high standard of what to expect in a Zoom producer. And then I provide the strategy to make sure that it's consistent. So it's, who knew? None of these things existed yeah, that's, in my life. That, that's a title that we wouldn't have thought of years ago. And now that's a thing that as soon as you, the measure of a good product is that it delivers exactly what someone needs. And as soon as you hear that, you know, you go, oh, wait, we need that. That's why that event didn't go well. I, I spoke at a conference online a few weeks ago and just, we all happened to be in the same room and they were practically pleading people in the audience, please turn on your cameras. So that way the speakers can see you when you've been in front of a camera enough that we can, we can turn it on if we need to, but it's so much better with an audience there. Uh, Robbie, it's been awesome you awesome having you here as uh, one of the guests here on Hypnotic Language Hacks. And we do things a little bit differently sometimes here that most podcasts kind of open with that origin story. Uh, the goal sometimes is to close with that. And here's the reason why I ask it this way, that so many people are either in either a stuck in a startup phase or stuck in a scale-up phase. That when you look at major life changes, major things that we've gone through, Yes, sometimes it took some time to get to that discovery, that epiphany, but we can also rewind it back to like one specific turning point where that was the moment where we went enough is enough. So what was that? Was there a turning point for you in terms of letting this become your business, letting this become the thing that became that burning desire that you had to share? There were sort of two moments. One was March 11th when I was talking to my peer mastermind and saying, how do I show up and add value right now? Because as we've already demonstrated, what I was known for was not relevant. And I really, I think the mindset there was not, how do I have a business? How do I sell something? It wasn't what was me. It was, how do I show up? How do I add value? How do I serve? And I kept saying, what we will remember 10 years from now is who showed up. How do I show up? And the my peer members um, said, my peer mastermind said, Robbie, the kick me in the butt. They're like, you know a lot about networking. It's not about happening at events. You love online. Go write something. Go create something. So I think that was the first kick in the, in the pants to like take action. And I remember feeling really stuck. I mean, I remember feeling like the, the, a little bit of like, uh, what am I going to do here? But when I look back on the calendar, it was March 9th through the morning of March 12th. <laughs> <laughs> so I got off that like pity party really fast. And the other was April 14th when I created a registration page and I didn't know what it was going to turn into, but I knew that, but that by identify by like calling to me, great community people by hosting my, my like secret power has been hosting. And I, it's not a secret cause I want everyone else to be able to do it too. So I actually think like the fact that I doubled down and committed to, by the way, my, my no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour will happen the day after US Thanksgiving will happen on Christmas. I had to, I had to have a whole conversation with my wife about that second one. <laughs> there are people who are depending on this to happen. We are their community. They might live alone. You know, they might not have a family they can bring together. This, we are forming that. And so 
I think the fact that anybody, it's almost like an equal playing field before to do that would have required like rentals and negotiating with bars and bar tabs and security and invitations. Nope. Turn on your Zoom, tell people about it and be consistent. So that, that decision to commit to that has led to everything else. And I just think a big piece of this is saying, Yes, and then I'll figure out how to do it. Yes, and I'll figure out how to do it. Yes, and I'll figure out how to do it. And I felt like I was following a lot of different revenue possibilities for a few months there. And now they're starting to kind of hone down into like a few focused ones. But I'm, I hired a, um, a person who's helped me create better systems and processes. I invested quite heavily in that for three months. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a whole new website done as part of another package that I'm doing. So I'm like, I'm investing right now in my business because I need to be ready for what 2021 will become. And back in March, if you had told me back in March that this would be my reality now at the end of the year, like, I don't know. I would have been like, I hope that's true. (laughs) I can't see that, but I hope that's true. And I, I am grateful and blessed that I'm here. The world is metaphorically and literally on fire and I'm able to provide for my family and create something that other people can benefit from, which is the best feeling in the world, honestly, Jason. And so I actually, my parting words would be, everybody should host something on a regular basis and that will help them get better in the hosting, better at the speaking, and they'll create something for other people, which has been a great way to identify new prospects. You have been listening to the Hypnotic Language Hacks podcast with Jason Lynette. Please stop everything and start exploring jasonlynette.com for even more business influence and persuasion resources. Make it a priority right now to subscribe to this program and listen to every episode because the next one may reveal that one hypnotic influence secret to massively scale your success. Change your words, change your business, change your life. Get even more at jasonlinette.com.